0: section fifteen of shirley by charlotte bronte this librivox recording is in the public domain mr dunn's exodus the next day shirley expressed to caroline how delighted she felt that the little party had gone off so well i rather like to entertain a circle of gentlemen said she it is amusing to observe how they enjoy a judiciously concocted repast for ourselves you see these choice wines and these scientific dishes are of no importance to us but gentlemen seem to retain something of the naivete of children about food and one likes to please them that is when they show the becoming decent self-government of our admirable rectors i watch more sometimes to try and discover how he can be pleased but he has not that child's simplicity about him did you ever find out his accessible point caroline you have seen more of him than i it is not at any rate that of my uncle and dr boltby returned caroline smiling she always felt a sort of shy pleasure in following miss keeldar's lead respecting the discussion of her cousin's character left to herself she would never have touched on the subject but when invited the temptation of talking about him of whom she was ever thinking was irresistible but she added i really don't know what it is for i never watched robert in my life but my scrutiny was presently baffled by finding he was watching me there it is exclaimed shirley you can't fix your eyes on him but his presently flashed on you he is never off his guard he won't give you an advantage even when he does not look at you his thoughts seem to be busy amongst your own thoughts tracing your words and actions to their source contemplating your motives at his ease oh i know that sort of character or something in the same style it is one that piques me singularly how does it affect you this question was a specimen of one of shirley's sharp sudden turns caroline used to be fluttered by them at first but she had now got into the way of parrying these home thrusts like a little quakeress pique you in what way does it pique you she said here he comes suddenly exclaimed shirley breaking off starting up and running to the window here comes a diversion i never told you of a superb conquest i have made lately made at those parties to which i can never persuade you to accompany me and the thing has been done without effort or intention on my part that i aver there's the bell and by all that's delicious there are two of them do they never hunt then except in couples you may have one lena and you may take your choice i hope i am generous enough listen to tartar the black muzzled tawny dog a glimpse of which was seen in the chapter which first introduced its mistress to the reader here gave tongue in the hall amidst whose hollow space the deep bark resounded formidably a growl more terrible than the bark menacing as muttered thunder succeeded listen again cried shirley laughing you would think that the prelude to a bloody onslaught they will be frightened they don't know old tartar as i do they are not aware his uproars are all sound and fury signifying nothing some bustle was heard down sir down exclaimed a high-toned imperious voice and then came a crack of a cane or whip immediately there was a yell a scutter, a run a positive tumult oh malone malone down 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 cried the high voice he really is worrying them exclaimed shirley they have struck him a blow is what he is not used to and will not take out she ran a gentleman was fleeing up the oak staircase making for refuge in the gallery or chambers in hot haste another was backing fast to the stair foot wildly flourishing a knotty stick at the same time reiterating down 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 while the tawny dog bayed bellowed howled at him and a group of servants came bundling from the kitchen the dog made a spring the second gentleman turned tail and rushed after his comrade the first was already safe in a bedroom he held the door against his fellow nothing so merciless as terror but the other fugitive struggled hard the door was about to yield to his strength gentlemen was uttered in miss kildar's silvery but vibrating tones spare my locks if you please calm yourselves come down look at tartar he won't harm a cat she was caressing the said tartar he lay crouched at her feet his forepaws paws stretched out his tail still in threatening agitation his nostrils snorting his bulldog eyes conscious of a dull fire he was an honest phlegmatic stupid but stubborn canine character he loved his mistress and john the man who fed him but was mostly indifferent to the rest of the world Quite enough he was unless struck or threatened with a stick and that put a demon into him at once mr malone how do you do continued shirley lifting up her mirth-lit face to the gallery that is not the way to the oak parlour that is mrs Pryor's apartment request your friend mr dunn to evacuate i shall have the greatest pleasure in receiving him in a lower room ha ha cried malone in hollow laughter quitting the door and leaning over the massive balustrade really that animal alarmed dunn he is a little timid he proceeded stiffening himself and walking trimly to the stairhead i thought it better to follow in order to reassure him it appears you did well come down if you please john turning to her man-servant go upstairs and liberate mr dunn take care mr malone the stairs are slippery in truth they were being of polished oak the caution came a little late for malone he had slipped already in his stately descent and was only safe from falling by a clutch at the banisters which made the whole structure creak again Tartar seemed to think the visitor's descent effected with unwarranted and accordingly he growled once more malone however was no coward the spring of the dog had taken him by surprise but he passed him now in suppressed fury rather than fear if a look could have strangled tartar he would have breathed no more forgetting politeness in his sullen rage malone pushed into the parlour before miss gildar he glanced at miss hellstone he could scarcely bring himself to bend to her he glared on both the ladies he looked as if had either of them been his wife he would have made a glorious husband at the moment in each hand he seemed as if he would have liked to clutch one and grip her to death however shirley took pity she ceased to laugh and caroline was too true a lady to smile even at any one under mortification. tartar was dismissed peter augustus was soothed for shirley had looks and tones that might soothe the very bull he had sense to feel that since he could not challenge the owner of the dog he had better be civil and civil he tried to be and his attempts being well received he grew presently very civil and quite himself again he had come indeed for the express purpose of making himself charming and fascinating rough portents had met him on his first admission to field head but that passage got over charming and fascinating he resolved to be like march having come in like a lion he proposed to go out like a lamb for the sake of air as it appeared or perhaps for that of ready exit in case of some new emergency arising he took his seat not on the sofa where miss kielder offered him enthronization nor yet near the fireside to which caroline by a friendly sign gently invited him but on a chair close to the door being no longer sullen or furious he grew after his fashion constrained and embarrassed he talked to the ladies by fits and starts choosing for topics whatever was most intensely commonplace he sighed deeply significantly at the close of every sentence he sighed in each pause he sighed ere opened his mouth at last finding it desirable to at ease to his other charms he drew forth to aid him an ample silk pocket handkerchief this was to be the graceful toy with which his unoccupied hands were to trifle he went to work with a certain energy he folded the red and yellow square cornerwise. he whipped it open with a waft again he folded it in narrower compass he made of it a handsome band to what purpose would he proceed to apply the ligature would he wrap it about his throat his head should it be a comforter or a turban neither peter augustus had an invented an original genius he was about to show the ladies graces of action possessing at least the charm of novelty he sat on the chair with his athletic irish legs crossed and these legs in that attitude he circled with the bandanna and bound firmly together it was evident he felt this device to be worth an encore he repeated it more than once the second performance sent Shirley to the window to laugh her silent but irrepressible laugh unseen it turned caroline's head aside that her long curls might screen the smile mantling on her features miss hellstone indeed was amused by more than one point in peter's demeanour she was edified at the complete though abrupt diversion of his homage from herself to the heiress the five thousand pounds he supposed her likely one day to inherit were not to be weighed in the balance against miss kildar's estate and hall he took no pains to conceal his calculations and tactics he pretended to no gradual change of views he wheeled about at once the pursuit of the lesser fortune was openly relinquished for that of the greater on what grounds he expected to succeed in his chase himself best knew certainly not by skilful management From the length of time that elapsed, it appeared that John had some difficulty in persuading Mr. Dunn to descend. At length, however, that gentleman appeared, nor, as he presented himself at the oak parlour door, did he seem in the slightest degree ashamed or confused, not a whit. Dunn, indeed, was of that coldly phlegmatic, immovably complacent, densely self-satisfied nature, which is insensible to shame. He had never blushed in his life no humiliation could abash him his nerves were not capable of sensation enough to stir his life and make color mount to his cheek he had no fire in his blood and no modesty in his soul he was a frontless arrogant decorous slip of the commonplace conceited inane insipid and this gentleman had a notion of wooing miss kildar he knew no more however how to set about the business than if he had been an image carved in wood he had no idea of a taste to be pleased a heart to be reached in courtship his notion was when he should have formally visited her a few times to write a letter proposing marriage then he calculated she would accept him for love of his office then they would be married then he should be master fieldhead and he should live very comfortably have servants at his command eat and drink of the best and be a great man you would not have suspected his intentions when he addressed his intended bride in an impertinent injured tone a very dangerous dog that miss gildo i wonder you should keep such an animal do you mr dunn perhaps you will wonder more when i tell you i am very fond of him i should say you are not serious in the assertion can't fancy a lady fond of that brute tis so ugly a mere carter's dog pray hang him hang what i am fond of and purchase in his stead some sweetly pooty pug or poodle, something appropriate to the fair sex. Ladies generally like lap dogs. Perhaps I am an exception. Oh, you can't be, you know. All ladies are alike in those matters. That is universally allowed. Tartar frightened you terribly, Mr. Dunn. I hope you won't take any harm. That I shall, no doubt. He gave me a turn. I shall not soon forget when I saw him such was mr dunn's pronunciation about to spring i thought i should have fainted perhaps you did faint in the bedroom you were a long time there no i bore up that i might hold the door fast i was determined not to let any one enter i thought i would keep a barrier between me and the enemy but what if your friend mr malone had been worried malone must take care of himself your man persuaded me to come out at last by saying the dog was chained up in his kennel if i had not been assured of this i would have remained all day in the chamber but what is that i declare the man has told a falsehood the dog is there and indeed tartar walked past the glass door opening to the garden stiff tawny and black muzzled as ever he still seemed in bad humor he was growling again and whistling a half strangled whistle being an inheritance from the bulldog's side of his ancestry there are other visitors coming observed shirley with that provoking coolness which the owners of formidable-looking dogs are apt to show while their animals are all bristle and bay tartar sprang down the pavement towards the gate bellowing avec explosion his mistress quietly opened the glass door and stepped out chirping to him his bellow was already silenced and he was lifting up his huge blunt stupid head to the new collars to be padded what tartar tartar said a cheery rather boyish voice don't you know us good morning old boy and little mr sweeting whose conscious good-nature made him comparatively fearless of man woman child or brute came through the gate caressing the guardian his vicar mr hall followed he had no fear of tartar either and tartar had no ill-will to him he snuffed both the gentlemen round and then as if concluding that they were harmless and might be allowed to pass he withdrew to the sunny front of the hall leaving the archway free mr sweeting followed and would have played with him but tartar took no notice of his caresses it was only his mistress's hand whose touch gave him pleasure to all others he showed himself obstinately insensible Shirley advanced to meet messrs hall and sweeting shaking hands with them cordially they were come to tell her of certain successes they had achieved that morning in applications for subscriptions to the fund mr hall's eyes beamed benignly through his spectacles his plain face looked positively handsome with goodness and when caroline seeing who was come ran out to meet him and put her, both her hands into his he gazed down on her with a gentle serene affectionate expression that gave him the aspect of a smiling malachan- instead of re-entering the house they strayed through the garden the ladies walking one on each side of mr hall it was a breezy sunny day their air freshened the girls cheeks and gracefully disheveled their ringlets both of them looked pretty one gay mr hall spoke oftenest to his brilliant companion looked most frequently at the quiet one miss gildar gathered handfuls of the profusely blooming flowers whose perfume filled the enclosure she gave some to caroline telling her to choose a nosegay for mr hall and with her lap filled with delicate and splendid blossoms caroline sat down on the steps of a summer-house the vicar stood near her leaning on his cane surely you could not be inhospitable now called out the neglected pair in the oak parlour she convoyed dunn past his dread enemy tartar who with his nose on his forepaws lay snoring under the meridian sun dunn was not grateful he never was grateful for kindness and attention but he was glad of the safeguard miss gildar desirous of being impartial offered the curate's flowers they accepted them with native awkwardness malone seemed specially at a loss when a bouquet filled one hand while his chalela occupied the other dunn's thank you was rich to hear it was the most fatuous and arrogant of sounds implying that he considered this offering an homage to his merits and an attempt on the part of the heiress to ingratiate herself into his priceless affections. Sweeting alone received the posy like a smart, sensible little man, as he was putting it gallantly and Natalie into his buttonhole. As a reward for his good manners, Miss Kieldar, beckoning him apart, gave him some commission which made his eyes sparkle with glee. Away he flew round by the courtyard to the kitchen. No need to give him directions; he was always at home everywhere ere long he reappeared carrying a round table which he placed under the cedar then he collected six garden chairs from various nooks and bowers in the grounds and placed them in a circle the parlour-maid miss gildar kept no footman came out bearing a napkin-covered tray sweeting's nimble fingers aided in disposing glasses plates knives and forks he assisted her too in setting forth a neat luncheon consisting of cold chicken ham and tarts this sort of impromptu regale it was Shirley's delight to offer any chance guess, and nothing pleased her better than to have an alert, obliging little friend like Sweeting, to run about her hand, cheerily receive and briskly execute her hospitable hints. David and she were on the best terms in the world, and his devotion to the heiress was quite disinterested, since it prejudiced in nothing his faithful allegiance to the magnificence Dora Sykes. The repast turned out a very merry one dunham alone indeed contributed but little to its vivacity the chief part they played in it being what concerned the knife fork and wine-glass but wherefore such natures as mr hall david sweeting shirley and caroline were assembled in health and amity on a green lawn under a sunny sky amidst a wilderness of flowers there could not be ungenial dullness in the course of conversation mr hall reminded the ladies that whitsuntide was approaching when the grand United Sunday School tea-drinking and procession of the three parishes of Briarfield, Winbury and Nunnally, were to take place. Caroline, he knew, would be at her post as teacher, he said, and he hoped Miss Gildar would not be wanting. He hoped she would make her first public appearance amongst them at that time. Shirley was not the person to miss an occasion of this sort. She liked festive excitement, the gathering of happiness, a concentration and combination of pleasant details a throng of glad faces a muster of elated hearts she told mr hall they might count on her with security she did not know what she would have to do but they might dispose of her as they pleased and said caroline you will promise to come to my table and to sit near me mr hall i shall not fail deo volente, said he i have occupied the place on her right hand at these monster tea-drinkings for the last six years he proceeded turning to miss they made her a sunday-school teacher when she was a little girl of twelve she is not particularly self confident by nature as you may have observed and the first time she had to take a tray as the phrase is and make tea in public there was some piteous trembling and flushing i observed the speechless panic the cup shaking in the little hand and the overflowing teapot filled too full from the urn i came to her aid took a seat near her managed the urn and the slop basin and in fact made the tea for her like any old woman i was very grateful to you interposed caroline you were you told me so with an earnest sincerity that repaid me well inasmuch as it was not like the majority of little ladies of twelve whom you may help and caress for ever without their evincing any quicker sense of the kindness done and meant than if they were made of wax and wood instead of flesh and nerves she kept close to me miss gildar the rest of the evening walking with me over the grounds where the children were playing she followed me into the vestry when all were summoned into church she would i believe have mounted with me to the pulpit had i not taken the previous precaution of conducting her to the rectory pew and he has been my friend ever since said caroline and always sat at her table near her tray and handed the cups that is the extent of my services the next thing i do for her will be to marry her some day to some curate or mill-owner but mind caroline i shall inquire about the bridegroom's character and if he is not a gentleman likely to render happy the little girl who walked with me hand in hand over nunnally common i will not officiate so take care the caution is useless i am not going to be married i shall live single like your sister margaret mr hall very well you might do worse margaret is not unhappy she has her books for a pleasure and her brother for a care and is content if ever you want a home if the day should come when briarfield rectory is yours no longer come to nunneley vicarage should the old maid and bachelor be still living they will make you tenderly welcome there are your flowers now said caroline who had kept the nosegay she had selected for him till this moment you don't care for a bouquet but you must give it to margaret only to be sentimental for once keep that little forget-me-not which is a wild flower i gathered from the grass and to be still more sentimental let me take two or three of the blue blossoms and put them in my souvenir and she took out a small book with enamelled cover and silver clasp wherein having opened it she inserted the flowers writing round them in pencil to be kept for the sake of the reverend cyril hall my friend may blank eighteen blank. the reverend cyril hall on his part also placed a sprig in safety between the leaves of a pocket testament he only wrote on the margin caroline now said he smiling i trust we are romantic enough miss kildar he continued the curates by-the-bye during this conversation were too much occupied with their own jokes to notice what passed at the other end of the table i hope you are laughing at this trait of exultation in the old grey-headed vicar but the fact is i am so used to comply with the requests of this young friend of yours i don't know how to refuse her when she tells me to do anything you would say it is not much in my way to traffic with flowers and forget-me-nots but you see when requested to be sentimental i am obedient he is naturally rather sentimental remarked caroline margaret told me so and i know what pleases him that you should be good and happy yes that is one of my greatest pleasures may god long preserve to you the blessings of peace and innocence by which phrase i mean comparative innocence for in his sight i am well aware none are pure what to our human perception looks spotless as we fancy angels is to him but frailty needing the blood of his son to cleanse and the strength of his spirit to sustain let us each and all cherish humility i as you my young friends and we may well do it when we look into our own hearts and see their temptations and consistencies propensities even we blush to recognize and it is not youth nor good looks nor grace nor any gentle outside charm which makes either beauty or goodness in god's eyes young ladies when your mirror or men's tongues flatter you remember that in the sight of her maker mary anne ainley a woman whom neither glass nor lips have ever panegyrized is fairer and better than either of you she is indeed he added after a pause she is indeed you young things wrapped up in yourselves and in earthly hopes scarcely live as christ lived perhaps you cannot do it yet while existence is so sweet and earth so smiling to you it would be too much to expect she with meek heart and due reverence treads close in her redeemer's steps here the harsh voice of dunn broke in on the mild tones of mr hall am," he began clearing his throat evidently for a speech of some importance am, miss gildar your attention an instant if you please well said shirley nonchalantly what is it i listen all of me is here that is not i i hope part of you is hand also returned Dunn in his vulgarly presumptuous and familiar style and part purse it is to the hand and purse i propose to appeal i came here this morning with a view to beg of you you should have gone to mrs gill she is my almoner to beg of you a subscription to a school i and dr Bulby intend to erect one in the hamlet of Ecker-Fig which is under our vicarage of winbury the baptists have got possession of it they have a chapel there and we want to dispute the ground but i have nothing to do with Fig. i possess no property there what does that signify you're a churchwoman ain't you admirable creature muttered shirley under her breath exquisite address fine style what raptures he excites in me then aloud, I, I am a churchwoman certainly then you can't refuse to contribute in this case the population of Echelfig are a parcel of brutes We want to civilize them who is to be the missionary myself probably you won't fail through lack of sympathy with your flock i hope not i expect success but we must have money there is the paper pray give a handsome sum when asked for money shirley rarely held back she put down her name for five pounds after the three hundred pounds she had lately given and the many smaller sums she was giving constantly it was as much as she could at present afford dunn looked at it declared the subscription shabby and clamorously demanded more miss keeler flushed up with some indignation and more astonishment at present i shall give no more said she not give more why i expected you to head the list with a cool hundred with your property you should never put down a signature for less she was silent in the south went on dunn a lady with a thousand a year would be ashamed to give five pounds for a public object surely so rarely haughty looked so now her slight frame became nerved her distinguished face quickened with scorn strange remarks said she most inconsiderate reproach in return for bounty is misplaced bounty do you call five pounds bounty i do and bounty which had i not given it to dr Boldby's intended school of the erection of which i approve and in no sort to his who seems ill advised in his manner of applying for or rather extorting subscriptions bounty i repeat which but for this consideration i should instantly reclaim dunn was thick-skinned he did not feel all or half that the tone air, glance of the speaker expressed he knew not on what ground he stood wretched place this yorkshire he went on i could never have formed an idear of the country had i not seen it and the people rich and poor what is said how coarse and uncultivated they would be scouted in the south shirley leaned forwards on the table her nostrils dilating a little her taper fingers interlaced and compressing each other hard the rich pursued the infatuated and unconscious dunn are a parcel of misers never living as persons with their incomes ought to live you scarcely you must excuse mr dunn's pronunciation reader it was very choice he considered it genteel and prided himself on his southern accent northern years received with singular sensations his utterance of certain words you scarcely ever see a family where a proper carriage or regla butla is kept and as to the poor just look at them when they come crowding about the church-doors on the occasion of a marriage or a funeral clattering in clogs the men in their shirt-sleeves and wool-combers aprons the women in mob-caps and bed-gowns they positively deserve that one should turn a mad cow in amongst them to rout their rabble ranks He, he! what fun it would be there you have reached the climax said shirley quietly you have reached the climax she repeated turning her glowing glance towards him you cannot go beyond it and she added with emphasis you shall not in my house up she rose nobody could control her now for she was exasperated straight she walked to her garden gates wide she flung them open walk through she said austerely and pretty quickly and set foot on this pavement no more donne was astounded he had thought all the time he was showing himself off to high advantage as a lofty soul person of the first tonne he imagined he was producing a crushing impression had he not expressed disdain of everything in yorkshire what more conclusive proof could be given that he was better than anything there and yet here was he about to be turned like a dog out of a yorkshire garden where under such circumstances was the concatenation accordingly rid me of you instantly instantly reiterated shirley as he lingered madam a clergyman turn out a clergyman off were you an archbishop you have proved yourself no gentleman and must go quick she was quite resolved there was no trifling with her besides tartar was again rising he perceived symptoms of a commotion he manifested a disposition to join in there was evidently nothing for it but to go and dunn made his exodus the heiress sweeping him a deep curtsey as she closed the gates on him how dare the pompous priest abuse his flock how dare the lisping cockney revile yorkshire was her sole observation on the circumstance as she returned to the table ere long the little party broke up miss hildar's ruffled and darkened brow curled lip and incensed eye gave no invitation to further social enjoyment end of section 15